Yo, what up? It's your boy D-Night, and you're listening to the Pardon the Interaction Podcast. We have yet another Pocket Pardon episode for you today. It was a wild and crazy week, of course. It seems like every week is wild and crazy. That's 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 nothing new. It's not a new occurrence. Seems to be the normal here. Everything is going berserk as per the usual. I guess I should have adjusted to that by now. But before we get into the insanity, a quick word from our sponsor, Sheets and Giggles. Uh, Colin McIntosh, the CEO, sent me a wonderfully fantastic set of sheets. Uh, I love those things. They're incredibly soft and incredibly comfortable. And I would wager that if there was one change that you could make to Rice Street Jail down in Fulton County, that would almost make it amenable to having someone who is accustomed to the mid-quality sleeping experience of a Trump property. <laughs> and the one thing you could probably change is adding a set of sheets from Sheets and Giggles. Like that would instantly bring up the quality of Fulton County Jail at, at bare minimum to like the level of Mar-a-Lago. Or like Badminster or something. <laughs> like sheets and giggle sheets are so good that like they can turn the crappiest conditions into at least like minimum Trump property level. <laughs> so make sure you grab a set of sheets or other wonderful items that they have available to you on their website, sheetsandgiggles.com. And if you're looking for a discount, we've got links in the show notes to help provide that for you as well all right on to the crazy fucking goddamn insane news because it never ends at the end of this previous week we had u.s district judge timothy kelly in dc sentence a number of proud boys after their convictions for seditious conspiracy for the role they played in the attack on the u.s capitol on january 6th And I got to say that as pleased as I am to see these people facing some fucking criminal consequences for their egregious behavior. uh, I'm also shocked and appalled at the level of leniency they received. And I'll I'll give you a couple of examples of the length of these sentences. Um, First of all, so Ethan Nordeen was sentenced to 18 years in prison. Uh, Dominique Pozzola was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And I know you're thinking, wow, that's a lot of time, D. Why you why are you so upset at like the length of these sentences? Like that seems fairly significant. So I wouldn't want to spend, you know, 10 to 20 years of my life in jail. Well, if you look at the sentencing guidelines uh, and what the Justice Department was asking for, the judge gave them half the time in prison that the sentencing guidelines recommended. Like, not just a downward departure of years. But like a downward departure of like a decade each. You know, Nordine was one of the people who were on the ground January 6th, uh, orchestrating the attack by the Proud Boys on the police and entering the building and searching for our elected officials. He was one of the guys who did a lot of the legwork recruiting members of the Proud Boys to come to the Capitol on January 6th who were quote prepared to engage in physical violence if necessary as the attack on the Capitol ensued on January 6th he was the guy because Enrique Tarrio had been ordered to leave town 
Nordine was the guy the other Proud Boys looked to for direction. Pizzola, who was also deeply involved in orchestrating the attack on the Capitol, though not the leader, uh, in his attempt to receive a sentence reduction, he seemed quite regretful about his actions on January 6th. But as soon as his sentence was handled down, he ran out into the hallway and yelled, Trump won! On his way out of the courtroom. Yeah, fuck these guys. Clearly not remorseful for their actions at all. And I'm sure the judge will actually hear about that outburst and might circle back and readdress Pozzola's sentencing and, and tack on a couple of years for lack of remorse. Because clearly, uh, he didn't learn his fucking lesson. You know, this was the guy, Pozzola, who had the uh, stolen police riot shield that he used to break through the window at the Capitol. He was like the first person to find a vulnerable entrance to the Capitol that allowed other people to enter the fucking building. And this this dude was like, like prosecutors were trying to get 20 years behind bars for this guy. And the judge cut that in half. Now, while the judge did say that he understood the egregious nature of the crimes committed by these individuals, he had to sentence them in such a way that was in line with other sentences for similar behavior that were handed down to individuals convicted before uh, the Proud Boys here were sentenced. And because the Oath Keepers convicted of uh, similar charges, seditious conspiracy and otherwise, received sentences that were well below the sentencing guidelines uh, this judge felt that he had to follow in suit uh, otherwise the sentences would likely to be overturned on appeal and of course we don't fucking want that uh, although DOJ saw the remedy to this potential issue uh, by appealing the sentences of the Oath Keepers and saying hey did, yo this shit wasn't long enough you gotta lock their asses off for longer than this so when we convict other people everyone will serve a reasonable amount of time well an appropriate amount of time in prison for their actions man I hate to take victory and turn it into defeat but like I'm just very disappointed in this like these dudes should be spending the rest of their lives behind bars I mean if you look at the way sentences are handed out for black people we we typically receive sentencing above the recommended sentencing guidelines no matter how stupid fucking petty the crime is and we ain't doing shit like trying to overthrow the fucking government you know these are people who engaged in hand-to-hand combat with hundreds of police officers for hours on end before attempting to murder our congress and they're getting like less time than dudes get for weed and coke it's fucking crazy Also, I thought that having these trials of like the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and other militias involved in in planning uh, the ground attack on the Capitol on 1-6, like having that occur would like take up more of the headlines and the fucking news. You'd be like, man, it really was a seditious conspiracy. It wasn't just a riot that got out of control. Like these people were actually literally plotting to overthrow the government. And there would be like bigger news and like take over headlines and have on like political polling for candidates up and down the ballot. And it really hasn't. It's fucking insane. Like the mainstream media isn't going out of their way to harp on how 
incredibly egregious all of this was and then the trickle down effect of that is like the public at large doesn't seem to have much interest because the media doesn't really delve into the serious nature of these charges and the importance of these trials now while these charges and these trials have seemingly had a negligible political effect as far as people's tendencies to support uh, one side of the aisle or the other they do seem to have an apparent practical effect on the public at large or at least upon trump supporters and the way that i would describe that effect is that uh, when trump is calling for his supporters to come out and rally and protest and practically asking them to commit violence in a way that is plausibly deniable uh, his supporters be like I ain't going <laughs> they're like I'm not falling for it it must be a op it's a setup by the feds because all of the people who attack the capitol on 1-6 are getting locked up and because Trump didn't pardon them they're afraid to you know stick their necks out on Trump's behalf yet again because they don't want to go to jail you know which I totally understand I wouldn't want to go to jail for Trump either but they also live in this weird reality where they think it's like a trap set by the feds except it's Trump asking you to go out and do this shit like I don't understand how do you don't see Trump is responsible for the violence on January 6th in that case right you can't say it's a mob that got out of control but also Trump wants me to go out and commit violence but I also won't commit violence because it's a trap by the feds but Trump's the one asking you to do it like I, I can't square it away I can't make it make sense you know I guess somehow because these people live in conspiracy land they can find a way to, to twist anything that they want to in such a way that it absolves Trump from his responsibility you know makes his actions and requests seem reasonable i can't i don't i don't know how to make it work i don't get it but yeah it's just wild that these like trials have had no effect on the public sentiment at large but yeah they've had like a huge deterrent on political violence there's been like practically little to no mass violence enacted by large groups of people We've had some individuals take it upon themselves to, you know, show up at Obama's house with a bunch of guns and ammo. Uh, you know, we ha- we've had like individuals act out in in mass shootings. And you know, while these people are influenced and radicalized by these online far right groups, it's it's not as though the entire group is is amassing together um, to create chaos and and enact violence it's it's just individual actors um and you know of course that's not great but what i mean is we haven't seen a yet another january 6th so i guess in that sense uh the department of justice mary garland taking their time to go after as many individuals as they could possibly find uh for the attack on the capitol like that's that's been a positive it's it's had a positive effect positive outcome we've seen what i believe to be far less violence than we otherwise would have considering trump's now been indicted multiple times like if they had locked all those people up i think we would have seen uh, massive outbreaks of violence 
because people would have looked at January 6th and felt like there's zero consequences. There's no reason not to. There's no what there's no downside. And of course, um, Joe Biggs called in the Alex Jones show Infowars uh, the other day, like complaining about jail and shit. And, you know, he better be happy he's in club fed because them dudes who about to go down for that Rico case down in Georgia. You don't want to see state prison, especially not in the South, homie. Uh, he was also asking for like financial support for Alex Jones's listeners to donate money to help support his family and shit. Because uh, the government took away his military pension as part of his sentence, which is fucking fantastic. Uh, I feel like you don't deserve compensation for the government if you attempt to overthrow the government. I feel like that should be fucking obvious. <laughs> but then he went on to say that his his main hope is that Trump wins the 2024 election uh, because, quote, I know he'll pardon me. I believe that with all my heart. And I'll say this. There are very few things that I have faith in when it comes to Trump, but I absolutely 100% have faith in the fact that if Trump does somehow manage to win in 2024, of which there's no likelihood he can do that without cheating, um, the first thing he'll do in office is pardon the insurrectionist. <laughs> That's a good one, right? Because the title of this podcast is Pardon the Insurrection. Although it's meant to be taken tongue-in-cheek and it's, it's it's supposed to be a play on pardon the interruption. It's not to be taken literally. Uh, yet here the insurrectionists are literally expecting pardons. Can't beat it. In other news, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell froze up like a robot whose operating system crashed, um, like his like his battery pack, like a Tesla whose battery died, or like maybe I don't know a, a glitch in the fucking Matrix where he just got stuck. <laughs> uh, this was in the middle of a press conference that he was holding. I actually can't even remember what the fucking press conference was about, to be honest, because. Uh, I mean, the only thing that really stuck out is that, like, he's no longer functioning. Uh, Republicans don't have a functioning sitting majority leader. Like, I don't know how this person is supposed to even do his job. But look, you don't have to take my word for it. You can hear it for yourselves. We'll play a clip of Mitch McConnell, and you can judge for yourselves whether or not you think his clone is malfunctioning. Okay. Senator, you're up for election in three short years. What are your thoughts on that? I'm sorry, I had a hard time hearing you. That's okay. What are your thoughts on running for re-election in 2026? What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh, that's a... Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. Senator. Penny. Okay. Somebody else have a question? Please speak up. 
And if you haven't watched the video, I suggest you do that. And one of the conclusions you will draw from just like the long, awkward silence and Mitch McConnell staring blank faced off into space into the ether uh, is that he's clearly brain dead, just totally not functioning as a human being. Uh, Even more surprising than that, though, is that he's got like a number of staff surrounding him. And what I find totally bonkers is like as absurd and crazy as as it is to have Mitch McConnell standing there as an empty husk. Like even more bananas than that is like to them, it's totally fucking normal. Like they don't even like break character. They're like totally used to this shit. So I would assume it's happening all the fucking time. And this this guy's supposed to be leading the Republican Party in the Senate. Like, that's fucking crazy. And like, no wonder they can't get any fucking shit done. You've got someone whose brain clearly isn't functioning, responsible for organizing uh, the entirety of your political approach in one half of Congress. Uh, so you can clearly see why the Republican Party is totally dysfunctional. <laughs> and I know you're going to say like, well, in the House they've got Kevin McCarthy, and he seems to be. No, he, his brain also isn't functioning. He just happens to be able to, like, speak and form semi-complete sentences, uh, though the points he's often making seem totally incoherent. Totally incoherent. And in case you think I'm being hyperbolic about the likelihood that this is happening all the time, you're like, oh, it's just like a one... This is just one instance where he couldn't... Pop, he just couldn't hear. Maybe his hearing is failing. Uh, nope. We'll play another clip from the last time that this happened which I believe was like a little over a month ago. And this makes it quite difficult to argue against. After finishing the NDA uh, this week, it's been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of Want to say? Or should I just go back to your office? Do you want to say anything else to the press? Go ahead, John. Let's go back to you. Go ahead, John. Okay, good luck explaining that one away as he just couldn't hear the fucking question. He was in the middle of his answer and his his brain totally malfunctioned. Like, could you imagine if this was President Biden? Could you fucking imagine the media firestorm if President Biden just totally malfunctioned, his his programming just totally cut off in the middle of him talking? People would lose their fucking minds. They would lose their minds. Totally lose it. It'd be non. It'd be the big. It'd be a bigger story than Trump getting indicted each and every time he's been indicted. Fucking crazy. And they had the nerve to parade Mitch McConnell out here as, as though he's like somehow competent enough to even remotely do the job. Like, what what is going on here? What is going on? And like, this isn't to say that age is an issue. Like, it, look, there's, there's already the seeming consensus by the media that, you know, Biden is too old to be running for office for re-election. Or at least like this impression that 
they're lending to the public that the public should believe that Biden's too old to be running for office. But it's not about age. It's about efficacy, right? Like, instead of asking yourself, is Biden too old to do the job? You have to ask yourself, is Biden effective at doing the job? Where if you ask about his age, they'll just look at the number and say, no, he's too old. But if you ask about his efficiency and effectiveness at doing the job, instead of looking at his age, you look at his track record. And clearly, since he's been in the White House, he's done nothing but the most incredible job. He's out here in Florida after the fucking hurricane trying to console the people who've dealt with that catastrophe who've lost property or been through a traumatic experience. He's organizing the relief effort and and making sure that federal funds are being sent to the places they need to go. Like, he's out here doing the fucking job and he's crushing it. And if that's the evidence that you look at to decide whether or not he's qualified to do the job, then he's passing with flying colors. Mitch McConnell out here can't even finish a fucking sentence. So I would say that if you want Biden to be president in 2024... You need to look for ways to address the framing of Biden's fitness for office and and, and change it from asking the question about his age to asking whether or not he's been effective at doing the job and getting people to look at actual evidence instead of making conjectures based solely upon a number. Um, Otherwise, you're going to end up with, you know, season two of the Trump administration and it'll probably be the final season for democracy because the first thing he's planning on doing is literally pardoning the insurrectionist. Because of course. And that concludes this episode of Pardon the Insurrection. <laughs>